Great events create great brands, and it takes a village to put on an event that engages, excites, and connects audiences to your brand. And we're that village. I'm Alyssa. I'm Paulina. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Great Events, the podcast for all people interested in events and marketing. Hello, everyone. What has been going on in this wide, wide world of events? My name is Alyssa, and welcome to this week's episode of Great Events, a podcast by Cvent. This week, I am super excited. thought we were going to have a full house. Paulina was not actually able to join us today, but myself, we have Rachel on the podcast, and I am very excited to introduce a special guest coming to us live from London, Michael Newton, who is here to help us celebrate Pride Month, not only just at Cvent, but at Great Events, our podcast. So, hey, Michael, how's it going? Hey, it's going good. It's a, a rare sunny day in London, so we don't get those too often. Yeah, that's a chance to celebrate in of itself, right? Why are you even here? Why, why did you agree? You should have canceled on us. <laughs> All right, so Michael actually sits on our account management team uh, within our European sales division. So that's one of the hats that Michael wears, but he also comes to us as a member of the LGBTQ plus community. And so Michael, I just wanted to introduce you to the podcast and let you kind of explain to our, our listeners, our followers, a little bit more about what you do at Cvent and beyond. Yeah, again, thanks for, so much for inviting me along. So as was said, Michael Newton, I'm the senior manager for our account management team based in Europe. I look after part of the European team as well as our IMEA and Singapore teams. So I work far too many time zones for my personal liking. I've actually just celebrated my 10 year anniversary of Cvent on Saturday. So yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's been 10 years of Cvent and the events industry, which is amazing. But alongside kind of Cvent, I also run a charity outside Cvent called the P3 Network, which is a charity that helps prospective and LGBTQ plus parents, you know, go through their journey of setting up their families, issues in the workplace, issues at school gates, things like this. And I also do public speaking around my own personal journey for, for corporates and we're, we're called storytellers. So I kind of go in, tell my story, my journey around my journey as a gay man in the corporate world, as well as kind of my journey through through my HIV diagnosis uh, 11 years ago as well. And then, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of me in a nutshell. I should really, I feel like I should get a hobby or something, but I'd like where, where I put it in. No, I think you should dial it down a little bit. You seem like a very, very busy individual, Michael. <laughs> and we're very honored that you carved out a little bit of time for us on the on the podcast today and you're joining us in this conversation. Great. So with that, I think, you know, it's funny, Rachel and I were talking and trying to prepare for this conversation today. And one of the things that we were even stumbling on is, is it LGBTQ plus? Is it LGBTQIA plus? So we wanted to start our conversation with just like a level setting on the definitions because we know that this is an evolving space and there's changes. And part of our position as allies to this community is making sure that we're up to date on everything as our, you know, we feel our role to our followers is to keep our followers up to date as well. So can you just give us like a little bit of a schooling on, on all the acronyms? Yeah, so everyone will be very familiar with LGBT, so lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender. You know, as as you mentioned, that has developed over time, and you know, I know it can be difficult for people to kind of keep updated and keep themselves kind of aware of what letters should be being used and what selection of the acronym should be being used. You know, I want people to immediately know that they're 
isn't a right or wrong to this. You know, some groups will use just LGBTQ+, some people will use LGBTQIA+, some people will use other versions of it. But in terms of kind of the the letters, we'll just say... For the, the letters. The letters, <laughs> uh, you know, been added on that people might not be as familiar with, or obviously QIA, and then kind of what does is, what is the plus mean? So when we look at the Q, that's queer or question. So queer is, you know, it's a term that's used, and it's really considered as somewhat of an umbrella term for anyone who isn't, who is non-cisgendered or heterosexual. You know, for the longest time, it was considered a slur. And it's really something that the community have kind of reclaimed and, and taken back as their own. And, you know, some people do still find it offensive. Some people do use, I, I use queer as an umbrella term, but I have friends that are like, no, you shouldn't be using that. It's really offensive. And I think people are allowed to kind of have their own kind of version on on that. It's also for people who are maybe, you know, not sure where they sit. They know they sit somewhere on the spectrum. So it's a, you know, I think it is a good term in terms of allowing for people to know that they are part of it, but they're on that journey of discovering where do I act? And they might always sit in that queer section, but they're allowed to kind of go on that journey. Then you've got I, which is for intersex. So this is the term that's used to describe an individual who's born with a variation of sex characteristics and they don't necessarily fit into the binary of a male body or a female body. And again, they kind of sit somewhere in between. And again, for, for those people that do are intersex, they're on a journey. They may decide to stay in that sector, but they may decide to kind of go one way or the other at another point in time. Then you've got A, which is asexual. This is sometimes shortened to ace. So this is just, this is a term that's used to reference somebody who has little or just like no sexual attraction. But at the same time, they might experience a romantic attraction, but it's just not a, it's not a sexual desire in, in that instance. And then the plus. So this is used to really signify all gender identities and sexual orientations. And it isn't necessarily specifically tied into those initial kind of few terms we kind of ran through. So as an example, something you might find is two spirits being considered under the plus or pan-Indigenous American identities, things like this. So there's a whole, we'd be here far too long if we ran through everything. We wouldn't cover anything else if we ran through kind of all of the other kind of acronyms that fall under the plus side of things. But yeah, that's kind of, I guess, a high level overview of LGBTQIA plus uh, at large. Super interesting. I honestly feel like I'm learning something already here. Like I didn't even know what all the letters stood for. And and I do actually know the letters. I just didn't know what they represented because I myself am not part of these. Would we call them kind of micro communities or smaller community or just kind of, I know broadly we refer to the LGBTQIA plus community, but clearly there's differentiation between all of these subsets. So, you know, it, something to foster. And when we start talking about, you know, belonging and inclusivity, you know, there are differences between just even the community within LGBT plus. So I, I w I'm curious how you kind of segment even within the community itself. I, I always like to think of it as LGBTQIA plus is, is a city. So it's, it's London. And then each of the kind of each of the letters within, within the acronym, that's a different borough of London. So one part is Suffolk, another part is Surrey, another is Camden, you know, and it's, we all live in the same city, 
but we also have our own little sections. That's that's how I always like to think of of the LGBTQIA plus kind of acronym in my mind. I like that. That's a good way to think about it. Okay, so my next question for you, Michael, especially as you've been now at Cvent for ten years, what a perfect milestone to be celebrating and talking about. You know what you've noticed as a change over time in this industry now. And I don't know if you were in the meetings and events industry prior to starting at Cvent, but certainly over your ten year span here within our organization, I expect you've seen a change in support, in allyship, in just even having the conversation for this community. So I'm curious, just what are some of those subtle changes or large changes that you've noticed over time? Yeah, so I I think a lot of the changes really come in play, I would say in the last five or so years. Uh, I think little things were happening, but I think we're now seeing kind of bigger strides. And I think a lot of it really goes around, you know, making sure that events are delivering diverse and inclusive content. So how are the, how are people doing this? When you present it, you need to start looking at, you know, people learn differently, people engage differently. How are you communicating with an audience? You know, a lot of panels, I have a number of friends in the industry, and I think, Rach, me and you have spoken about this term before, you know, we were seeing a lot of manals. We were seeing a lot of panels just consistently made up of, White, it sounds weird me saying it as a white man. Okay. <laughs> Guilty. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I've gone, you know, I tend to be like, hey, folks, or hey, crew, uh, because I don't want to unnecessarily, yeah, I don't want to unnecessarily offend somebody by using, you know, a male term, ideally. And I've had this conversation with so many people, like, but guys, it's just like, you know, it's just a throwaway term. I'm like, it is to you, but there might be somebody in that audience who, you know, they might be transitioning and it might be a trigger word for them and, and things like this. You don't necessarily know everyone that's in the audience. So, you know, for me, I don't even really refer to people by by gender terms anymore because, again, I don't know how they identify. So I typically just, as a standard, will refer to somebody as they or that some people find it offensive. I'm like, no, it's a safety net for me and, and things like that as well. So would you say, Michael, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Would you say like in the last 10 years we've evolved? Cause I feel like as an ally and I'm not, I'm not in the, in the community necessarily, but the events industry specifically has called enough attention to this, not enough, but enough attention where we've moved the needle on pronouns, inclusive language, speakers to your point, like representation, anti-harassment policies and things like that and registration. Like, would you say that we've made strides there and have we made enough strides there? Do you feel like meetings, the meetings industry specifically is helping lead the charge there? Like, I'm, I'm just curious, like, have we done a lot here? Do we need to do more? Yeah, I think the meetings industry, definitely, you know, the meetings industry is probably one of the most diverse industries that you can work in in the entire world you know we're, we're not you know lawyers we're not people that work in finance we're not the, we're all we're every possible industry that you could work in in one industry at the end of the day and you're in the business of bringing people together right like that at the core of this is there is it's fostering that notion of togetherness yeah and you know i think that We've, you know, there's, and there's always more that can be done. 
there's always more that can be done, you know, and I think some things people do kind of forget about when you start looking at kind of partners that you're working with at events and things like that. Do they share the same kind of mindset and beliefs as you as an organization that's kind of running the events and things like this? But I think we've definitely seen, you know, a shift, you know, seeing people come on stage and, you know, introduce it and use pronouns, you know, seeing people having the ability to have pronouns on their, on their badges and things like this you know, accessibility, making sure that, you know, when somebody's registering for an event, for example, they have the option to choose a pronoun in that section. You know, I think pronouns is something that I'm kind of focusing on here, but I think it's one of those little kind of micro, you know, people would see it as a microaggression if it wasn't there. And it's kind of an easy one to kind of fix. But then as we were saying, making sure that we've got those diverse speakers, we've got those diverse conversation points that are happening. All of that stuff is definitely something that I've seen improve. And, you know, we're seeing, you know, a lot of people and a lot of organizations globally really kind of target in on this and, you know, opening up, you know, what they're looking for within their events. So when we're doing kind of abstract submissions and things like this, you know, putting in that, you know, we're really looking for people that fall into kind of these categories or this is just an open forum where we're, we're taking conversation topic points from kind of anything. So then you're mixing it up and you've got that side of things, you know, utilizing people that you also have internally to be able to pull people in for those conversations as well. When I when I joined Steven, that was my first time kind of in the events industry. I was working for, for a different tech company previously, but it was in kind of uh, business marketing. And like I said, didn't really see a huge amount of, variety you know people 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 like a bit of spice with their food you know why not bring a little bit of spice to to the events you know when i think about and it was actually my my friend chris said this to me uh last week and i was like that is perfect when you start looking at okay like how do you describe kind of diversity equity and, and inclusion and he was like well diversity is when you invite somebody to the party and then inclusion is actually asking somebody to dance. The three of us have been to many parties together. We've shared many, many glasses of wine together. Who, who doesn't? Who doesn't like to be invited to parties? And who doesn't like to dance? You know. So I think, and I was like, that is such a unique and easy way to understand it. So you know, when we invite people to to our events, we want them to get up and be dancing. So let's make sure that the content that we've got for them and the platform that we've set up allows for that. Michael, let me ask you one more question that kind of dovetails from that. Recently, I, I want to say within the last maybe 12 months, I've heard belonging being added to, let's talk acronyms again, D-E-N-I and now there's a B. So what's the difference between the dancing right there where, where that's the inclusive experience and then the belonging part of it as well? Yeah. So the belonging is the is the emotional state behind it. So creating that inclusive environment where people do feel safe and they feel welcome. So when I think of that kind of that dance metaphor, so if you get invited to the party and then inclusion is dancing, I think of the belonging as feeling comfortable enough to ask somebody if they want to dance. So knowing that you can go and ask a question, you can feel safe. You're not going to have to kind of worry that something's going to backfire on you. And when I talk about this, and I kind of have these discussions with people, and I always, I use Stephen as an example, you know, as you both know, in 2020, I was the keynote, I sales kickoff, which is 
thousands of people, which is kind of daunting, and you know, shared my my story about kind of my my upbringing, coming out as gay, my my HIV diagnosis, and then kind of coming out from from that side of things. This event really has, in in my mind anyway, and again, different people are going to have kind of different viewpoints on it. Created that sense of belonging because I would never have felt comfortable kind of getting on stage and doing that, thinking there's going to be a repercussion. This is going to be used. This is going to be used against me. You know, people when they're joining an organization shouldn't have to check themselves at the door. They should be able to come in, be who they are. You know, I always, I always joke that see them for the last ten years have let me come into work every day and be my weird self, and they just accept it. You know, and I like to think that I bring my whole self into work, and I feel like that as a manager trickles down to the people that report into me that they feel comfortable to come to me with issues that they're facing outside work and things like this. So I do think that that, that for me is how I would view the, the belonging side of things. Yeah. It's, it's the, the vulnerability and authenticity, you know, no reluctance, right. And to your point, it's a safe environment. Sorry, Rach, I didn't want to cut you off. No, I'm good. I, I just think it, it comes down to your event, your organization, right? Like if you're, if you're, trying to create a sense of belonging. I'm, I'm just thinking with my planner brain on like a lot of people may have hesitations to doing this at their events potentially. Right. And I, I think that it's a pretty easy way. It's pretty easy, right? Like I think that there are ways to ask registration questions to help with what your attendees actually want on site. So I've seen a lot, I've, I've registered for a few industry events lately and granted they're the meetings industry. So we're pretty honed in on, being accepting and, and, and inclusive. So, but they've asked things like, what kind of meetups would you like? And they list out a lot of these sub community, or um, what did you call it? Sub communities, basically. Micro communities. Micro community questions where it's like, would you be interested in doing this? And what that's formed is these inclusive groups that get together and meet up at these events that they can create connections with that. And I think you can do that at your own organization too. And I, I, I think that that is also part of what's changed in the last 10 years, Michael, is just like the, from my perspective as a, as a planner and looking at event design, right? Like that's changed a lot. We didn't have that and having these round tables or meetups or, you know, mixers or whatever you want to call it incorporated in there as an option for your attendees helps you be a better ally. And it also helps you connect people to feel safe, feel that sense of belonging, correct? Like, right? Like, I'm assuming it's about acknowledging and celebrating those differences as opposed to being like, oh, it's easier if we make generalizations. And so we're going to just like, I mean, this is a stupid example, but like everybody gets chocolate chips like or chocolate chip cookies. Right. No, it's like some people are might be allergic to chocolate. Some people don't like chocolate and all of those people want a different cookie type. And that's fine. Like we'll figure that out in the planning process. And it doesn't have to be like 17 different meetups. Right. It could be like, here's our little area that you can do your own meetup. And put the onus back on your attendees too. Like, I think sometimes it's daunting to organizers to be like, oh my God, I don't have the budget to support 20 different mixers. It's like, well, you could have one, but then subgroups in, in it or an area where they, they can form their own mixers, right? Yeah. And I was going to say, just kind of what you were saying about kind of that registration side of things, you know, that's a perfect first hit for organizations to be able to communicate their values. You know, using the website, the registration form, social media, marketing materials, you know, you can use all of these assets you have to actually foster that inclusivity. You know, the communication that you're going to be dishing out isn't just about the words, but it's also about factoring in things like the imagery that you're using as well. So does that represent all of your target audience? You know, 
if you know if your event said the word earlier you know is specifically targeted at let's say white men use photos of white men all over your website do it go for it have have at it but most of that's now uh mantles for everyone mantles everywhere (laughs) (laughs) but you're you're wanting to get you know and i look at you know the customers that i get to speak with they're trying to get you know more numbers to the events you know they're trying to get you know they're having to do bigger events with smaller budgets and things like this so you know if they're able to get a more diverse audience the good thing about that is you're getting more diverse thoughts so you know when i think of things like you know you have like a sales kickoff. It's like, hey, we're going to put you into like these subgroups and things like this. You know, don't put all of the SDRs together or all of the account managers together, or all of the directors together, you know, all the people from Europe to get, you know, things like, mix it up because you're going to get different thought processes. You're going to get different ages, different genders, different everything, you know. So if you're able to kind of mix all of this stuff up and to what you were saying, Rachel, about, you know, giving people the options to go into those kind of sub break off groups and things like this, you know, they can kind of pick and choose kind of where they want to go and kind of sit in. And you're going to get much better diverse forms of thinking. But you should also have that logic when it comes to your planning. It shouldn't just be all of the same people that are just on the event planning team. And Rach, you, you might be like, shut up, Michael, shut up. <laughs> as the person that plans all of the events as event. But it's, you know, we having people that are maybe outside of the events group, you know, kind of contributing to hey, like we're wanting to kind of think about doing these sessions or have this piece as part of the this and that within it. That's going to give, you know, outside thinking that you're like, oh, that's a great idea. I would never have thought about kind of doing that. Yeah. Well, let's, okay, let's switch topics to actual Pride Month. So yeah. I know, you know, Pride is a beautiful way to celebrate and, you know, represent the the progress that you all have made. But I want to hear from you of like, your view of Pride Month, your view of the celebration. For me as a planner, I love an event that brings together people that can celebrate love. Like, I think that that's a great excuse to throw an event and multiple events, a whole month of them. So I want to <laughs> hear- every weekend. <laughs> exactly. So for, for you, Michael, like, let's talk about Pride Month, what it means mm-hmm. to you, what you think it means in the events industry or for organizations. I just hit us with everything here. You know, Pride, Pride Month for me, is and you know i'm a gay man 12 months of the year i occasionally take september off but it depends on what my calendar <laughs> usually 12 months of the year i'm a gay man which uh, letter is that one michael <laughs> i'm kidding don't answer that delusional it's, it's d it's delusional. um <laughs> but for me it's pride month is about being able to celebrate everyone's uniqueness uh, you know, the great thing about being a human is that we're all different. And I think sometimes people people forget that. There's a lot of craziness going on in the world right now. And a lot of people do ask, you know, like, why do, why do we still need pride? You know, the corporates are doing this and we've got this. And I remember somebody said to me, they were like, why do you need pride? You've got marriage now. I was like, oh, don't make me hit you. Don't make me hit you. Like, oh. But it's there's still so much going on in the world. You know, there's so many places where being LGBTQIA plus is illegal. You can be fined. You can go to prison. You can go to torture. Torture. You can be tortured. You know, you've got countries like Iran where you can be sentenced to death just for being kind of who you are. You know, in, in the US at the moment, there's a lot of laws being kind of put out there and things like this. You know, there was the don't say gay bill. And, you know, 
which means that, you know, if a child confided in their teacher about their sexuality, that teacher then had to report this. And ultimately, Pride and the events around Pride, they're about human rights. They're about empowering LGBTQIA people to reclaim their rights, their freedoms that are just denied to them. And, you know, being able to go to public places that maybe, you know, do often exclude them, you know, in Pride, you know, we've we've discussed this previously about, you know, kind of rainbow washing and things like this. And a lot of people, a lot of organizations been like, hey, it's June. We're just going to stick a rainbow on it kind of thing. And that's that's really, yeah, okay, to a certain extent, it's, it's great because there is a bit of visibility, but that visibility should be all gear. You know, visibility is so crucial for fighting shame and, and stigma and threats and violence within the community. And these pride events and organizations get in behind their their employees and get behind these causes, you know, it's showing support and showing how we should be celebrating these differences and shows the LGBTQ plus community that they don't need to be intimidated and they can continue to demand that equality, you know, until, how should I put this? I've, I've always said that there's a lot of, there's a lot of stigma within the LGBTQIA plus community within their own kind of sub-communities, if you will. Uh, you know, and I, I can only talk about, and you know, you said earlier about me being kind of an expert in DNA. I don't think of myself as an expert in DNA. I'm an expert in my lived experience. I know what my lived experience is. And I can talk to the experiences of a, a lesbian or a trans person, but it's me reflecting what they, what I know kind of thing. And I think, you know, I've received, I got diagnosed in 2012 with HIV and I've received a lot of very unfavorable comments, I will say, because some of the language would not be acceptable for this podcast in, in that time from within the community. And bizarrely, the heterosexual community have never, I've never had an issue with anybody who is you know, heterosexual in terms of my, my HIV, but lots of issues within the gay community around it. And it's, again, because you've got kind of those kind of old mentalities of what HIV was in the 80s and the epidemic and all this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of education that still needs to happen kind of around that. But for me, I don't think we would end up, we will end up having kind of equality across the board until we have equality within our own community. So seeing, you know, people kind of walking hand in hand with each other is a beautiful thing and we need more people to be doing that. But until people feel that they're safe to do that and they're going to be able to kind of walk outside hand in hand, like me and my boyfriend, we walk arm in arm, but there are occasions where we'll unlink. And I live in London, which is one of the kind of, you know, most diverse cities in the world. And even here, it's still a bit kind of like, oh, no, no, there's a group of people walking towards us. Oh, no, let's just unlink kind of thing and i think we need to get to a point where we do feel safe and i think having people being open to having conversations like this and you know having people that are allies all year round not just for june that's key in making sure that you know that kind of acceptance and pride will continue and pride's gonna be something that's always happening you know it's a beautiful time to like we said celebrate people's uniqueness uh, and i don't necessarily feel like there'll ever be a time and maybe it's a bit a little narrow-minded of me but i don't think there's ever going to be a time where pride isn't needed as a celebration it might change what it's celebrating but i think there'll always be a version of pride 
Yeah. I think I, I didn't really think about this too deeply and I, I probably should, but the fact that pride is inspiring, like some places probably can't even host pride because of fear of, you know, retaliation or it's illegal. And, and that's a really good point for why it's so important. Like it's important for a lot of different reasons, not just corporations slapping a rainbow flag on the outside of their building and calling it like, check, we did it. There's more that can be done bringing people together. I think that's why the meetings industry like goes really well with pride because a lot of our own beliefs are let's think about it, getting people together, right? Check, <laughs> inspiring people, uniting them, creating bigger sense of purpose. Like that's half of what event planners do. So I feel like pride in, in itself, like lends itself to what we do for a living, but pride on like a much larger scale for human rights. Yeah. And if we can ultimately instill those values into all the events that we do that are year round, right? It's not just a June conversation, but if we kind of bring these attributes to light through our event programs where it's kind of a win-win for everyone, right? It's an inclusive world. It's an inclusive environment born out of our event programs, which is a really exciting opportunity that planners have. Yeah. And people always say, you know, hate isn't taught. You know, I, I always say that my, my favorite pride that I ever went to was pride in London in 2017, because as a part of my charity, we hosted an event where we were able to, we were at Cafe Royale in, in London and we were in, on like a balcony area and we were overlooking and we could see the whole parade, but people have brought their children and there was maybe 50 adults and probably 30 or 40 kids raging from kind of babies up to kind of teenagers. And the, it was just a room just full of like so much love. The kids were looking and the, there's drag queens and everything. And they're like, Oh my God, that's such, that's such a tall lady. Like, how is she walking? The, look at her hat. Like, she's beautiful. And things like this. And then you have things like drag con and people take their kids to it. You know, these are, these are safe spaces that allow for kids to grow up knowing that if they're a bit different, that's cool. And I think, you know, like you said, Rach, the events industry really is a place where people can come and feel safe. And, you know, it's made up of such a diverse character set of people just globally and kind of knowing that I work in an industry made up of just these wonderful beautiful people that are just from every possible corner of every spectrum and every part of the world and things like this I it makes me excited to kind of get up and come to work every day well on that note Michael I think that was a perfect way to wrap this I know we're celebrating a lot of things wonderful weather in London your 10-year anniversary at Cvent but the most important of all pride month and really, honestly, pride all year, which is what we're really getting to here. But with that, I'd, I'd like to wrap up this episode. Thank you all, followers, for you know joining us in today's conversation. Thank you once again to Michael for joining us. Thanks, Rachel, as always, for helping me co-host this. If you have any topics or people you'd like to introduce to our 2023 season, you always have the option to DM us on LinkedIn, Instagram, or send us a note at greateventsatcvent.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to a very important conversation today. Once again, this is Great Events. My name is Alyssa. See you next time.